0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the minister of formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California.
1: And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego,
2: and I am the Reverend Hannah Wilder, the original all star of Faith to Go podcast <laughs> and the curate at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in City Heights. Wow. In San Diego. What a title. Yes. Original all star. Is
0: that on your business card?
2: Oh, yeah. It oh, yeah. Be. On my website. Mm-hmm. It's how I start every sermon. Right. It's how I introduce myself to people on the street. Wow.
0: <laughs> Hannah Wilder, back on the pod. Um, <laughs> Hannah, this is your third time on the podcast. How's that feel? How's it feel to be three times three time three time guest?
2: It feels amazing, especially mm. because you know, it's not really the quantity, it's the quality. And so I'm <laughs> sure if people go back and listen to those podcasts, they will find they were epic. Wow. So wow. it really trumps the number of times you've been on.
0: Sure.
1: And my recollection of you as a podcast guest, the word that I would choose to use Is
0: definitely
1: epic. Thank you, Charlotte. (laughs) You're welcome.
0: That's just a general you just have a generally epic aura to you. Oh,
2: that's so nice.
0: You're welcome. Um, so Hannah, bring us up to date a little bit on your ministry context. What are you what are you doing? What are you working on?
2: I'm excited to share that Don Starry and I are starting our own podcast called The Ministry and it's going to be released this fall. So stay tuned for more information about that. I hope David and Charlotte will let you know when it is live. And it's really stories about and from awesome women in ministry mostly, but you know, just creating a safe space to discuss women in ministry and issues and stories that they have.
0: Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. Thanks, Anna. That's awesome. We're very excited. Don Starry and other Faith to Go All Star. We are excited for that podcast. And we also would love to hear where you saw God this past week.
2: I was at the St. Mark's Food Pantry, and Megan, a fifty-ish woman who's homeless and a regular at the St. Mark's Food Pantry, she said to me, "You know, I'm glad that the coronavirus hit." And I said, oh, yeah, why is that? She said, because the whole world feels the way I do every day as a homeless person. And I was sort of taken aback. And I said, you mean fearful and uncertain? And she said, powerless. Hmm. Powerless. Yeah. And it stopped me in my tracks because that is exactly how I felt about the virus and still do. Mm -hmm. And that's how Jesus made himself in Pontius Pilate's, Pilate's court. He was mm-hmm. defenseless, and I think that's how we feel as a society when we face our issues, mm-hmm. and you know, when we as individuals look at our addictions or realize where we've messed up, or you know, are contemplating our egos. I think that you know, it's this moment when we as a nation can really look at this moment of powerlessness and think about what we want to build mm-hmm. from there. But clearly we can't build the kingdom of God with the kind of perverted Christianity used by whites to keep black people in their place with images of a white Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and a hereafter flowing with milk and honey. Mm-hmm. That's not what Jesus was about. Jesus was about liberating us from the structures of society that tell us we're powerless. Mm -hmm. And when we come together and worship together and cross lines of prejudice and privilege, that's like, there's no limit to the power that Mm -hmm. can flow through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like been a time of recognizing how inadequate our, our like structures for communal wellness are that really the, this moment of uh, this moment is like making us recognize that like if we had some, if we had systems in place that were actually benefiting equally, everyone, we might be in a better position right now, communally. Like if everyone had health care, like if everyone had already had a universal income, you know, like all of these, if everyone already had access to uh, equal education and, and things like that, you know, like everybody yes. would actually be doing better. So, yes. um, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So thank you for that story, Hannah. Um, You're welcome. And so we're going to Thank you, move, Megan. We're, yeah, thank <laughs> you, Megan. So we're going to move into our discussion about the gospel. We'd love to hear from you uh, all the time. If you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection, if you want to share with us where you saw God this week. Uh, or about your ministry context, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, where you can also always find those faith to go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can follow us and contact us on Instagram at faith2go. But now, we're going to move to proper 15 for Sunday, August 16th. This is the week leading up to that Sunday. Uh, Charlotte is going to read Matthew 15, 10 to 28. 10 to 20 is technically optional, so you may or may not hear this in, in your church service, but we're going to do the whole thing. Uh, and uh, then we're going to each take uh, some time to highlight one theme that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and reflection. Matthew chapter
1: 15, verses 10 through 28. Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, False witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away for she keeps shouting after us he answered i was only i was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel but she came and knelt before him saying lord help me he answered it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs she said yes lord even the do- yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table then jesus answered her woman great is your faith let it be done for you as you wish and her daughter was healed instantly
0: okay so uh this story is coming almost directly after the the story that we heard in last week's gospel about uh peter walking on the water to jesus um there's a there's a lead in there's a lead-in story to this one which is um the Pharisees coming to Jesus uh, and asking why his disciples don't follow these practices that in this story that we're hearing now Jesus is pushing back against so like they're asking him why don't they wash their hands and talking about the food that they eat and things like that so and then the second part is just important to recognize that the the district of Tyre and Sidon is a different region than what Jesus would recognize as kind of the, the historical region of, you know, the promised land of Israel and uh, Palestine uh, where, you know, Nazareth and Jerusalem and Galilee, these regions are part of that, that area. And so Jesus is kind of like moving outside, like Hannah said in the beginning, across kind of lines of difference and then interacting with someone from a different ethnic group, uh, a different regional ethnic group. So this is a Canaanite woman, uh, and Jesus is, you know, a, an Israelite, a, a Jewish person. Um, so that is, we're, we're witnessing that kind of interaction across lines of difference in the second half of the story. So uh, with that in mind, uh, Hannah has the first point.
2: You know, Jesus is my hero, my savior, because... He challenged the religious authorities more than he challenged anyone else. Throughout his life, we see him siding with the marginalized and the oppressed at every turn, except here. (laughs) And I think that what we're seeing is a real conversion moment for Jesus, because up until this point, he has been preaching, teaching, healing to the Jews. And from this point on in the Gospel of Matthew, he's there's no question that his message of love and radical acceptance and inclusivity is for everyone, for the entire world. So, you know, sometimes people have asked me, are you saved sister? Mm -hmm. Are you saved? And I want to say, you know, based on this story, Yes, many times, all the time, <laughs> because God is always expanding my notion of what it means to be in the kingdom of God and who is in and who is out. And he's always redeeming the world in a bigger, broader, and deeper way than we can even imagine. But today we see Jesus behaving in an un-Christlike manner. He's calling a marginalized person a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to look at that. That is what's happening. Yeah. And I think that she is scrappy, and she makes him stop and turn his head with what she says. You know, she has a retort for him But even the dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Mm-hmm. And Jesus considers that. Then he says, you know, your daughter is made well. And I think that so we must consider in our lives and see places where moments of conversion are necessary in our own understanding of the wideness of God's mercy. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would I, I love that idea. And it, it seems like you're saying like Jesus is um, expressing some some race, some ethnic racism and some ethnic racist ideas here about For sure about who about whose ethnicity and whose culture is inferior. Uh, and he's, yeah. you know, he is implicitly uh, saying that this woman's that's this woman is, is in some way inferior to Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that, um, what we see, like you're talking about the widening of the, the widening of the group of people to which, you know, this love of God is available is even taking place within Jesus who we would, we, we would imagine, you know, just automatically has this idea. But a few, a number of weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago, we heard the gospel story of Jesus sending out the, the disciples for their first mission. And he says in that story before this, go out to the lost sheep of Israel only. Mm -hmm. Mm, Then he has this experience. And then by the end of Matthew's gospel, he's saying, go out to all nations of the world, go out to everybody. Right. So it's like, Ooh, I
2: got goosebumps.
0: Even (laughs) like Jesus's life has a Mm -hmm. story arc, you know, like Jesus that we, when we talk about like, like, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We're not talking about like a, a, a concrete, um, solidified set in stone thing. Like his life was a journey. It had, he learned, he changed, you know, he was a Mm -hmm. human. And, Mm -hmm. and so we can be encouraged by this idea that even if we have these kind of racist ideas, ethnic racist ideas, any kind of racist ideas, we are on a journey of growing, of expanding. You know, and like you're saying, like that, that, that salvation, that conversion takes place over and over and over our whole life. And I love that. I love that invitation to all of us that you're describing, Hannah.
2: Right. And I I think that for those of us who grew up in the church and grew up with this idea of Jesus and have the benefit of or the hindrance of 2000 years of Christian history, it's like we have this idea that Jesus just always was this this way, you know, and as the original all-star, I'm here to tell you, you know, we've got to, (laughs) and why I love this podcast. I love this podcast because it delves deep into these stories that I kind of just glaze over, but we are like mining them to Mm -hmm. say, no, look, this is a moment where Jesus was totally demeaning to someone Mm -hmm. and he got schooled and he changed. Yeah.
0: And that kind of, I think that gets into my, that, it's close the my point is close because i i'm thinking about like the the combination of these two stories and like i'm imagining uh i love the idea that jesus starts in the same story he's showing both an overwhelming universality of compassion and at the same and then at the and then at the same time in the same story showing this kind of ex- exclusivity of he's excluding people and trying to include everyone at the same time. And that by the end, his journey in just this gospel reading in these 20 verses is move is like, is becoming more consistent in his theology and then practice of theology. Um, and I feel like that is an ongoing invitation. If I'm thinking of like what conversion looks like, what salvation looks like, it's this kind of, wholeness making that 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 help that is an invitation for all of us to align what we believe to be true theologically about god and other humans with our actual practices of how we engage with uh community and the world and other people and ourselves because jesus is saying in the beginning like open your mind you know like expand what you what you think to be true about all these practices like it's not about these practices these external things that uh save you that that are indicative of of the goodness of your human goodness of your blessedness it's what comes out of you right not what goes into you and then in the very next breath almost he's he's telling someone based on their external realities Mm -hmm. what is and who If that they are not welcome, that they are not included, you know. And so I love that idea that part of our conversion, part of our lifelong conversion is to bring these this universal love of God into a theological belief and like the blessedness of all humanity and and the biblical witness to the celebration and beauty of difference to our actual lived experience of being in community with one another and that we don't have to be that, that Jesus shows us that it's not only okay, but, but like Godlike to ch- have our minds changed. It's like God, like to move from one position to another, to be open to wonder and to open ourselves to this more universal love of everything and everyone in all difference. And so Like how, what, what are our, what are the theological foundations that we stand on that, that, that we claim like a, that Jesus is present in all people that like that every single person is in the image of God. And then where are we not actually living that out in our lives? And what is the invitation there to, to be converted within ourselves? Right. Mm Right.
1: Well, and David, I think that as I'm listening to you talk, that it's a really logical transition to my point, which is delving a little deeper into who's in and who's out, um, but what our role is in that. Because in this story, we definitely see a side of Jesus that maybe makes us, challenges us, right? Um, and we've unpacked that and explored that in Hannah's point and then through into yours. But Jesus isn't the only person in this story. Um, there's the Canaanite woman. There's the disciples. Certainly, there's a group of bystanders that are around. Um, and I think that it's important to think about how they reacted when all of this was going on, because we have a woman who knows that she's not Jesus's target audience, that she is not who he's there to preach to or minister to. But she, wants that redemption. She wants that redemption for her daughter, and she is willing to be called a dog to put herself at his feet and worship in order to get what she needs. She advocates for herself, knowing decidedly that she is not wanted, that she is not in. At the other end of that spectrum, we have the disciples, and I put them at the other end of that spectrum because I think we're really called to examine our own ambivalence. Um, because we have the disciples at the other end of this spectrum who do nothing. They don't say, hey, um, she seems really desperate. Maybe, you know, we should help her. Or they don't even go so far as to say, go away, lady. You're bothering Jesus, right? Like they they just sit there with their blinders on going, no, 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 not happening, not happening. I don't see nothing. There ain't nothing going on here. And by doing that, they build and support underneath this system of oppression, mm-hmm. without even realizing that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I had a really powerful experience of this yesterday, um, and I'm going to try to tell the story without getting choked up. So forgive me if I sound a little wonky. But yesterday was the youth of our diocese are participating in the Dismantling Racism curriculum from the Absalon Jones Center um, for Racial Healing in Atlanta. And that's been a really powerful journey for those of us. It's a pilot program for us here, um, and we're doing it virtually. And it is one of the most important things that I do each week. Um, We are on the fifth section out of six was yesterday. And yesterday talked a lot about internalized oppression. And as part of that, um you spend some time doing google searches and so google is an algorithm basically mm-hmm. whatever you type in it's based on the number of searches based on the way things are tagged but like what comes up is representative it's just an algorithm right like it's not it's not some person named google deciding what you see but when you google successful people mm-hmm. all the people are white mm-hmm when you Google drug dealers, all the people are black.
2: Uh When you
1: I mean, and you can do this across if you Google, if you Google successful black people, Uh you predominantly get athletes and movie stars. If you Google CEOs, you get images of white men.
0: Uh
1: Um, And this is not me leaning into anything with my own bias. I'm just telling you what happened on the screen, you know, as, as we were doing this exercise and the powerfulness of realizing that this algorithm is created by bystanders, by what Uh. we choose to engage with is what is how the algorithm determines what other people want to see. Uh. And as we were doing this process, And we were sharing a screen so that we were all looking at the same images. Um, And so, therefore, as some of you know, on Zoom, sound can be wonky and it's very hard to get attention when you're sharing a screen. And so we had encouraged the young people to just call out if they had something to share, something that stood out for them or that they noticed as we were going through everything. And one of the young people said, you know, you could do this in your own head, right? Hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And the reply was, well, you could do this same exercise and use the algorithm in your head to analyze what your own views of these things are. Mm-hmm. And I haven't <laughs> stopped thinking about it since. <laughs> so even as we explore this gospel of who's in and who's out and what our perception is of it, what about if we take time to really do a Google search of our own brains mm-hmm. or of our own hearts and to see like where we are? in all of this and where and what role we are playing in building up the foundations that oppress others
0: mm-hmm. yeah because yes. because that google the google algorithm is a is a product of a white supremacist culture and so are we to to your mm. point you know like like all of all of that reality the google search reality that you're describing the algorithm was created by a be created by a company in a white supremacist culture white by people in a white supremacist culture and so and that i think is like the cool thing about um like ibram x kendi talks about anti-racist like the his whole point is like what we need is anti-racist policy and Mm -hmm. and he talks about it not just in like the in in levels of government but in institutions that policy is the thing that every institution has you know So like an anti-racist, you could, Google could have an anti-racist policy that is that based on outcomes so that when you, that your, that your um, algorithm is anti-racist if it's actually showing equal representation across all of those groups that you're describing. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's something for all of us to wonder both individually Individually, like you're saying, what is the Google search for us? You know, what are the racist ideas that we have, that we have internalized? But also in the institutions that we have some kind of sway over, whether that's a church or a diocese or a a larger organization or a secular organization or any kind of nonprofit, what are the outcomes? What are the outcomes that are racist? And what are the policies driving those outcomes? And how can we? how can we internalize anti-racist policies in all of in all these different areas both individually and corporately
1: yes and what is our responsibility not to avert our eyes Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah, right because that's just like you said like like the bystanders that is Mm -hmm. that their silence is solidarity with Jesus ethnic racism Uh, and that that goes for every kind of racism You know, in the face of racist ideas, our silence is not neutral. It is complicity. It is it Mm -hmm. is solidarity with that idea. We are agreeing implicitly when we don't say anything. So, um, okay, that is three points for this week. The first point was from Hannah, uh, and it was about Jesus's genuine conversion in this um, in this gospel reading, Um, and then um, (laughs) mine kind of was went alongside that one and it was about Jesus's kind of conversion and our invitation to conversion, thinking about how conversion might be about bringing consistency to our theology of humanity and of difference and of other people of ourselves and bringing that into consistency with our practices, with how we actually treat other people. Um, mm-hmm. And then Charlotte's uh, was about, taking stock of our internalized racism and then challenging the racist ideas that that we see and hear expressed around us compassionately, you know, and and in in genuine dialogue. So having heard those three points, we invite you to go back and reread this gospel for yourself, either silently or aloud. See if anything jumps out to you. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website where you can also go and find all of those faith to go resources for all ages, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also follow us and contact us through Instagram at faith2go. And we have to say thank you again to the Reverend Hannah Wilder. Hannah Wilder.
2: Well, Hannah thank you. Thank you, and I just really want to give you guys mad props because I love your podcast. I listen to it regardless of who your guest is or if you have no guest. I learned so much from you, and I'm I'm so grateful. So mad props and grace and peace to you.
0: Thank you, Hannah. And we look forward to the ministry coming out ooh, ooh. soon. Uh, we'll make sure to update everybody on when that's coming out and where they can find it. And until next time... Please say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. everybody.